Hey, my name is Hendel Leva, and I am the host of the online show Immigration MIC, Moving Immigration Conversations. Every week, I put on my Beats headphones and create original interviews for everyone to enjoy. It's a great opportunity for young people directly or indirectly affected by today's immigration policies to have their voice heard in the conversation. Visit www.thehendelmediaproject.com to watch all the interviews and learn how you can get involved. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of Immigration MIC. We move Immigration Conversations, and today with us we have Valerie from right here in New York. Uh, she is, um, your blog is called Part-Time Exploradora, correct? Yes. yes how, great. How are you doing today? Good, good. It's really nice and sunny here in the suburbs today. Oh, nice lighting. <laughs> yeah, I, like you see the rays coming down on you, like you. Yeah. This, this interview has blessed you already, so like, I'm I'm happy about that. Uh, so, uh, Valerie, um, I specifically wanted to reach out to you. Number one, because of the work you do, um, you know, with traveling, and you know, you have a lot of thoughtful and insightful pieces that really interest me. I want to get to know the person behind those words, but then also you have a strong passion for immigration and like speaking out about it. Uh, speaking about against, um, you know, unjust policies. So, like, you know, I'm looking forward to, like, covering all that here today. Um, so why don't we just start, and uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? You know, I read about all the places that you go to, and I would love <laughs> to know, like, where you came from. Right. Um, so I'm actually in my hometown right now. Um, initially, I guess I was born in Ozone Park, Queens. Um, and I was there in the 90s. My, pa- my, my family had immigrated from Guatemala. Um, so growing up, I feel like I had a very mixed identity of myself because um, my parents would talk about Guatemala and how much they loved it and missed it. Um, but we were surrounded by a lot of different people, specifically from Italy and Eastern Europe. Um, and then actually my mom got remarried and we moved out to the suburbs. So that's where I am today. I'm in Suffern, New York. Um, and this was, it's like about an hour and a half outside from the city, just like 30 miles out. But it's completely different from everything I got used to. Um, so I guess for me, it's been a lot about adapting to new situations. And I feel that is what we do as immigrants, as children of immigrants, as new generations. Um, you learn how to adapt in order to survive. Um, you know, you're surviving in a new country. And, um, yeah, like, that's, it, it starts to break you down a little bit at a time because you realize you start to give up a lot of pieces of yourself. Um, so, yeah, like, for example, I think I was telling you, my name is Joy Valeri Carrera Alvarez. Um, and uh, I feel a lot of it was um, I was named to make my life easier here. Um, my name is not Valeria, it's Joy Valerie. Like, it is very American, very English. And um, even growing up, like, my everyone called me Valerie because Joy was kind of weird <laughs> um, to call, like, a little kid Joy. And they were like, that's a word. Um, and I feel like that's just, like, one form that we start to give up little pieces of ourselves to just try to, like, fit into this, like, new world that we're trying to create for ourselves. Um, so it was a pretty long explanation, but <laughs> yeah, no. So so um, it's interesting. I very rarely. So I grew up on Long Island in a town called Brentwood. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, many Salvadorans. Um, <laughs> so it's always fascinating to me to speak to someone else who has a Guatemalan identity because that's half of my mm-hmm. like. Um, my mom's Ecuadorian, my dad's Guatemalan, and I'm not. Exactly, Yay! I almost not, never meet any Guatemalan. <laughs> There you go. I see it's exciting. You know, there's so few of us, like, sometimes. Um, So I'm not too connected to my Guatemalan side. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you have a similar um, type of experience growing up where you weren't, you know, necessarily, like, where you were kind of drifting apart from the culture or, like, adapting more to the American identity? Yeah, actually, I feel that was a lot of my childhood growing up. Um, So I was... I think one of the only Guatemalan people I knew was like my immediate family and like some cousins that also had immigrated with my dad or, you know, they've caught up here. Um, Most of my family from my dad's side, he came here in, say like 
late 70s, 80s. Um, ooh, my, apparently my computer's heating up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel a lot of it was him trying, um, trying to form a community. So it was just his family. Um, they didn't know any other Guatemalans. And my mom and him actually met at the deli and we're just like, oh my God, you're Guatemalan. I'm Guatemalan. And like, an area that there wasn't any other other people. So it was cool, you know, they got to share some of the food. Um, and even, like, looking back on my life, I remember when I was very young, I think it was, like, my fifth birthday party, we had, like, a giant celebration. We invited, like, everyone in the block. We had a giant pinata party. And, like, everybody in my block was, like, Eastern European or Italian or, like, white American. Um, so it was, like, interesting to invite everyone. But I guess at the same time, we realized, like, this, like, they were trying to form their own like bring their culture here and like try to form their own new identity. Um, but, you know, you kind of start to realize like, oh, it doesn't fit or like other people feel a little uncomfortable. Um, like my neighbor, I didn't realize until a lot later, was like kind of racist. And um, we had a pet chicken because that would be to totally normal. And I was a very strange kid. And like, of course, we had a pet chicken. We were like the only Latinos on the block. I think there were some Argentinian people, but they had been here for years, very assimilated. Um, spoke perfect English and yeah like he like called the New York City cops on us so I mean also the chicken was annoying so I guess that I used to wake up the whole neighborhood at five o'clock in the morning um, but I guess as I grew older I realized we started I guess even subconsciously like assimilating more and more um, just trying to fit in and I feel like so my family um, were mestizo so like we're very mixed and in Guatemala the actual term is called Ladino so um it's you know they're very proud I even noticed like when I went back um to be like oh we're Spanish or like we have more German roots in us and kind of denying the more, more native indigenous side of us so I feel like here that that mentality comes with you to the U.S. that you start to be like okay I have to try to act more white you know um try to fit in more try to like mejorar la raza um so I felt actually we started like integrating more into like my educational activities. I went to, oh no, this one's back. <laughs> um, so I went to more of a, a Catholic school. Um, just my parents always tried to push me to do more and more like activities that I would one day go to college um, and, you know, just living up to that American dream. Um, so I feel like because of that, and I was a very nerdy kid, so I would always go to like very like you know all like the super nerdy kid things like going to engineering camp and like trying to get into college and that tended to be less and less people of color um so I guess more as an adult and after college trying to like fit into the real world that's where I started having this like realization that like oh my god this world was like not made for me um and kind of having that um speaking of culture and identity and even traveling, I feel was a form of me trying to find a place where I belonged. Um, so I guess that's like my long winded answer as to like not really knowing other Guatemalans and just people who were like me growing up. Yeah. So, um, when, so how would you say, well, why don't you tell me what was your, um, middle school and high school experience like? Um, what were you into? I mean, I'm very happy to hear that you went to, like, engineering camp and all that because, like, that's the dream that I never got a chance to partake in because I suck at math. That's, that's <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I would, would love to know, like, what was middle school and high school like for you just on a personal level? Um, so middle school, I went to a small um, Catholic school in Queens. Um, it was called Nativity BVM. And um, there was a very different experience for me because um, it was in Queens, you know, in New York. Um so more diversity is celebrated, and I feel like I was more celebrated for being different. Um, like, we would even have culture days where, like, everyone was supposed to dress up in, like, their native stuff. Um, so, like, my parents dressed me up as, like, a little indigenous person, which, like, now I'm like, that was hella offensive. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, back then, you know, like, you don't right. know yet, and you're just like, oh, it's how cute. Like, I have looked. I got an earrings with like my traje indígena um but yeah I I would remember like the thing that I was like oh I'm just Guatemala like both my parents are from Guatemala like 
me not knowing of all of like the history, like the different cultures that have blended to make what is now Guatemala. Um, but most of my friends were um, American. Um, so these are like, you know, like generations of like immigrants. So I think that was like a thing that was celebrated at my school that like we were initially, like we were people of a country that is made up of immigrants. So I would meet friends. I was like, I'm 25% Italian or I'm like, and then 25% Irish and 50% Puerto Rican. And, you know, it was just so celebrated to be like, oh, and this, this and that. Um, so for me, I actually was just kind of like, I'm a hundred percent Guatemalan. Like I'm just one thing. <laughs> um, but I think that, so that was like a really uplifting experience. Cause even, um, you know, my parents, they worked hard um, to get what they could. But um, my father had a car crash when I was in middle school I think um, so we ended up going into a lot of debt um, just because we had to get so much surgery and we had to like refinance the house and like declare bankruptcy so it was like a lot of issues piled up and I guess we had become so integrated into that community that they actually helped us like I they gave me a scholarship to continue being there because they were just like you're a good student like we need you to stay here um, and also like my parents didn't want me to go to the public school so they would like my dad would work the night shift. Like he, I he, I almost never saw him because he was always working just to like pay off for that school. Um, so they kind of like slaved away to make sure that I could have like a good education. Um, and then for high school, um, my mom was by that time my parents were already divorced and my mother was getting remarried. So he actually lived out here in Suffern. Um, so we came out here, um, and that was completely different <laughs> just because it is um, a predominantly Caucasian population. Um, so I guess for me, it was trying to like fit in. I knew nothing. I literally had moved two days before starting high school. Um, so I knew nobody. Um, my first day of school, I like ate lunch alone in a hallway. And then I was like, I'm going to go hang out with my guidance counselor. Um, and my guidance counselor was actually, he was just starting and he's, Cuban-American, um, and he was, like, I think one of the only Latino professors, or just guidance counselors, and I got, like, assigned to him, and that, like, changed the world for me, because, you know, he knew what it was like, and he knew, like, my parents were not going to know what to do, and they just knew where, like, Val is smart, like, she needs to get scholarship, she needs to go to college, that's, like, all they do, they had, like, no savings, nothing, um, so he was really the one that was, like, always on top of me and being, like, pushing me to be, like, okay, you need to apply to this. So I think I was like, oh, I probably can't get in there. It's really expensive. And he was like, no, like apply. Um, so I got into RIT um, and like he basically changed my life. But even there, like. Um, RIT, you said? Yeah, I went to Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, but yeah, even there, you know, like this is in like the, the school district that covers suffering is actually very. Um, there's big pockets of like income disparity. Um, but it's a very welcoming town. Like I've always felt welcome here, but you do realize, and, and you know, when you're young, like you don't really notice that as much. Like you're just like, cool, I'm your friend. And then you're just like, damn, like that friend that lives in a giant ass mansion. And I live in like this tiny little thing. Um, and I actually, you know, like just cause my parents wanted to make sure that I went to a better school, they lived above a synagogue, which is like where I live now. Um, and you know, we just have to like clean up and everything. And it's just like that that's like a whole different experience in itself. So it was like weird going to like my friend's houses that like had these beautiful mansions, like their parents were like doctors and lawyers and they worked in the city. And then like I go back home and I never had friends over because I was like, I don't want to invite them to like my weirdo like synagogue home. Um, so I guess growing up was just like observing a lot. And um, my parents are also evangelical pastors. So I wasn't actually allowed to do that much. Um, so I felt like that kept me very like, separated from everything and like that's a whole other discussion but yeah just um very closed off but also like when I was exposed to things I was just, like it's really weird and I guess for me like when I seeing all that I was like one day I want to have that like I want to have a house and everything and like my white picket fence dream and then as I got older I was like wait like there was a system in place that made sure that like it would be a lot harder for me to achieve any of that um so that kind of all relates <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember when I got to college, uh, I think two of my roommates in the same suite had BMWs, and I was just yeah. like, 
I was just, and they're from uh, Rockland County, I believe. Um, oh, okay. Westchester, Rockland yeah. County. And I, a lot of people get a car at 16. Um, got my first car my last year of college, the rinky-dink car. Yeah, no, but but it's like something, and, you know, they're, both my friends, they're people of color, and I'm just like, oh, like, huh. Oh, really? Completely different than, like, right. you know, culture. Um, uh, what was, okay, so where, okay, so, so I did want to ask you this. Um, when you've gone back to Guatemala or like here in the U.S., have you ever seen someone that looks like you? Um, so yes and no, I guess. So, so um, let, me, let me put, give a little more context to that because, right. you know, through many Guatemalan people I've met, whether it's here or abroad, I've never met someone that like looks like you. <laughs> And and you know that that's obvious. I mean that's not a bad thing. But, no, no, I get it. But but yeah, like you know, just you could be a combination of things. I would think. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm just wondering if you've ever seen someone that looks like you. Right. Um. So I feel like that's actually like one of the advantages that I have when I travel. Um. Is that I'm so like ethnically ambiguous. Um, and yeah, actually, like I'm probably one of the darker people in my family. Like I am like one of the darkest people in my family. Um, I think my grandma's like my skin tone, but, um, which kind of has led me a lot to just be like, wait a second, like, why do I look so different? And even when I go to, um, my first time in Guatemala was after I studied abroad in Kosovo. Um, so there people were just like, are you black? Like, what are you? And I was just like, no, I'm Latina, like, I'm from Guatemala, and people are like, huh? And I, I do always get that, like, wait, what? You're Guatemala? Because, like, people will be like, maybe you're Puerto Rican or Dominican, because my hair is very curly, and, like, I'm, like, a, like, cappuccino-y color, so it's just like, what are you? Um, so I get that a lot, actually. Right, right. Um, so that's kind of, like, led me to believe, I was like, wait, like, I'm probably more of a combination of different things, and really researching the history of like the peoples that were in Guatemala. Um, so yeah, um, I guess going back to when I first went back to Guatemala, it was um, like my family's very light skinned. Um, so they're very like tall, very European looking. And that was like one of the first things that they point out to me. And they're like, how did you become so dark? And I'm just like, I don't feel like explaining genetics to you right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, and or like, oh, why is your hair so curly? And I'm just like, I, I don't know, like it just happened. Um, but yeah, um, and I feel like there was this pressure to be like, oh, like put a hat on, like don't get darker, or like put like try to straighten your hair more. Um, a lot of that pressure to try to like fit into like a more European standard of beauty. Um, but also the thing that I noticed it was like um, the sphere of like looking Indio, um, what they would say, which is like actually a derogatory term there. But so sorry. Um, <laughs> but you know that 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 was what they say. You know, you're just like, oh, you don't want to like look like them. And I was just like, what? why? Um, so like most people, when they do have that idea of Guatemala, they think of like very short, very dark, straight, straight black hair, because um, these are the features of like the Mayan indigenous people. Um, so yeah, when I've traveled, um, the, the people I have met that are Guatemalan, um, I met like two people from Guatemala were actually very fair-skinned. Um, so I noticed, and I think that is like, you know, part of like the privilege, the like, you know, aftermath of colonization, the more like whiter you look, the more European you look, the more, the easier it is for people to advance in society there. Um, and that kind of translates everywhere else. So people that I have met that I'm just like, oh, you're so like, well off as a Guatemalan are tend to be more European looking. Um, whereas, yeah, whenever I do meet like, like other Guatemalans here in the U.S., it tends to be more indigenous looking people. Um, because um, I, I actually used to work in immigration. I did, um, I was volunteering through AmeriCorps doing intakes and I kind of stopped. I, I was doing intakes with kids as they were detained in the border and most of them were Guatemalan. Um, but they were indigenous kids. So most of them, like some of them wouldn't even speak Spanish. Like they only spoke their native tongue. And like at first I was really excited because I was just like, you're Guatemalan, I'm Guatemalan. And then they kind of were just like, mm, but you're not really Guatemalan. And I was like, <laughs> it fit nowhere. 
Um, but I even got the same thing when I visited my family there, who like was born there, you know, like are my age. They're just like, but you're not like really there. And I'm just like, well, it's a lot. But yeah, so they were, um, so I would like tell them like, oh, I'm Guatemalan. And then they kind of felt that like, oh, I can't trust you. And I understand it because there has been such a history of like, taking lands from the Mayan people, um, a lot of distrust because once they like let people come or like they try to take parts of their culture. Um, so that kind of made a lot of sense to me. So I was just like, maybe I probably should not be like, oh, I'm also Guatemalan. Um, or like, even like I used to wear, like I love the traditional stuff. Um, so I have like my little shoes, um, the huaraches, I think they're called. Um, and even like, part of or like my bracelets and I kind of realized like I bought this from like a kid on the street like it could have been any of these kids um so I guess that's really I, I'm actually doing a DNA test because I'm really curious um because my father's from the coast um and just if you read up on like slave trade there was a lot of Africans that were brought over through Belize that was like once a part of Guatemala and just the coastal area so the west east coast <laughs> um i have no yeah. idea so. yeah yeah no so i was just trying to tell my west from the east um but yeah so on the east coast um so you know like honduras panama um coast of guatemala belize parts of mexico a lot uh, and, and the caribbean somewhere in the caribbean sea a lot of africans were brought over from from africa um and just Bought there, brought there to help build up the Spanish Empire, um, and in parts like some parts like Colombia, um, Honduras, they still have a lot of that rich culture and like didn't have to, like weren't forced to integrate with the society. Um, I think it's called the Garifuna people. Yeah, yeah. not completely. Yeah, um, but in Guatemala, um, it wasn't as prevalent. So a lot of people, they, you know, mix and you get like the mulatto, the mestizo. Um, so it tends to be more of a mixed society. But you just start to realize like even in like, you know, big families, like I have very big families. Oh, so I lied, I'm not the darker. So I do have like a cousin that's very, very dark. And, you know, like there, if someone's very dark, you're just like, oh, morenito or something. You know, it's just like a, like a little like endearing term. But you do start to realize, like, you know, the way that genetics plays out, like, some traits end up being more prevalent, but, like, it has to be in your ancestry. Um, so I'm really excited because I want to see, like, how much of that it, it, like, maybe I do, maybe I don't. But even just, like, reading up on genetics, like, curly hair is, like, a trait that is, like, sp like is born out of more African cultures. Um, and, you know, like, everyone, migration is such a normal part of people's history um, that you do end up getting, like, the Latinos are a mix of so many different races because, right. you know, we were colonized, people come migrate, somebody was probably traveling through and was like, I really like this warm place, I'm going to stay here. Um, so you do get a lot of that. Um, so I think, I don't know, I'll find out why I look so different, but I think it is more on, like, just based on all of my background, um, that I feel like it's expressed a lot in my traits. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, you know, I look forward to, uh, you know, hearing about what those results are. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very intrigued, yeah. <laughs> of course. And, like, you know, it's so, it's so, uh, fascinating and refreshing to hear, like, just, how much of a interest you have in like studying colonization and studying migration patterns. Uh, I was the same way when I was in college. Like I just mm -hmm. like would like take all the courses and, and also in graduate school, like to just learn as much as possible. So right. like, definitely so refreshing to hear you talk about that. And so I want to talk about how that plays into your real life now mm -hmm. where um, you're like this like travel connoisseur. Is it, would, that be, would that be an accurate way to uh, describe you? I guess. I like to think, I mean, I think in a sense, we're all always traveling. And I think I heard, I read a piece um, by Bonnie Amor. Um, she, like, writes a lot about the decolonization of travel. And, you know, just, I feel like you're always growing as a person, but it's good to listen to perspectives that even make you a little uncomfortable sometimes. And even, like, check you sometimes. Because then you're just like, oh, my God, I did that, you know? Um, but, like, how else would we know unless we grow and read? Um, and I, I think she was the one that was saying, like, you, um, to view things as, like, you're always a traveler. Because um, we are always moving. And I think especially in the U.S., like, we have to move between different worlds all the time. Like, you know, I go from 
you know, I'm sitting out here in the lawn um, and just right. being like my little, like I would say like hippie self and I'm just like in nature. Um, and like I get to work from home on Friday, so it's a lot more relaxing. But, um, but then, you know, I go to the city and I have to like adapt into a very like corporate kind of world and you know I travel like an hour and a half away and it's like a completely different area like New York City is very intense very different it has a different vibe to it um and then like you know I meet up with my friends who are of all different cultures and we were kind of like this new world of like new immigrants new people um who have adapted and like for my group of friends like we kind of accept each other and we like have discussions like this all the time um, and then I have to like adapt to go back to my parents, um, who are evangelical pastors and very conservative, um, and just like not as open to things. Um, so I think even just like in your daily life, like whether you're not going to like a different country, like of course the culture is different. Um, you take those skills and you start to apply it to your daily life. Um, so I've actually took a year, well, I was volunteering, um, realized that wasn't for me through AmeriCorps. So I backpacked and this was like after my college experience, I studied abroad. I got a scholarship to Kosovo. People were like, want to go to this country no one's really heard of? And I was like, sure, free tuition to go there. I just have to like gather up the money for a plane ticket. Um, and it was, I, I was, I had just switched my major to international studies from chemical engineering um, because I was like, mm, I want to learn more about people. And it was that like, once you take like a class in sociology or anthropology or like Latin American studies, you're just like, this is history I was never taught. Um, and you start to realize like a lot of things that you're just like, wait a second, like hold up. Um, so I became like fascinated by that. So like this was a lot of like my culture that I felt I was deprived of um, or just taken from me or we assimilated so hard to like leave that behind. Um, so seeing how people in Kosovo, um, are majority Muslim, um, but they are, they are blonde, they're blue eyed. And I was like, hold up, what? Like I grew up in post 9-11 U.S. And I was like, I thought Muslims were people with like burqas and like, I didn't even know what they were at the point. And just was like, I thought they were like brown and like very scary. And, you know, that's how it was depicted in our media. Um, so when I went there and I was like, oh, I'm hanging out with people. And then like my best friend was actually, she, it was during Ramadan. Um, so just seeing that and like feeling so welcomed by people. And I grew up, like I said, I grew up evangelical. And so I was just like, wait, no, like I was told that these people were evil. And like, you know, with the American media telling you like, oh, these people are so bad. Or like someone who's not of your religion cannot have good values. Um, so just meeting people that were different really challenged a lot of my perspectives and a lot of like what was ingrained in me that I was just like hold up like these people I've met people from all over the world it was um, a post-conflict resolution course um, for the summer so I met people from like Israel from Palestine from uh, France from Germany from, from like all over the world um, and a lot of them who I still stay in touch with today um, so I was just, like, all of a sudden, like, bombarded from, like, non-American. Like, I was used to seeing, like, immigrants, you know? Like, you know, we've adapted to American, but, like, seeing perspectives that were not mine. And then even, like, them criticizing aspects of American culture when I grew up thinking, like, America's the best country ever. We do nothing wrong. And then seeing, yeah, yeah. And then you're just, like, hold up what we have fucked shit up every. Oh, sorry. Um, like, everywhere, you know? And you're just, like, you, can, you can curse as much as you want. It's all good. Oh, okay. <laughs> So then it's like America number one, then it's like America maybe number thirty-five, or America yeah. we did some fucked up shit like in our history. Yeah, and then like even traveling, and you know like um, so that was like when I was first like exposed to that, and then um, you know I stayed in touch with a lot of people. I was invited to come visit them, um, and then I after that I went to Guatemala. Like I came at, like a week, and I was like I want to like learn more of my culture, um, and I was focusing my thesis on. Um, uh, sexual health and reproduction in Guatemala. So I really just wanted to like know more um, and just how it's been so influenced by like a patriarchal society. Um, so it's like a whole other <laughs> thing. Um, I, I did I did similar research, but like for Ecuador. Like, oh yeah, yeah it's, so. it's crazy because you realize how much that ties into like 
all the different aspects of society. Um, so yeah, I went in and I was like really excited. You know, I had just switched my major. I was doing my concentration on Latin American studies and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go to my country and like, I'm going to be so welcomed and I'm going to feel like I'm a part of it and just learn so much of the history and the indigenous history and the culture. And then I got there and I was like, oh my God, I want to learn these things. And they were just like, we're not indigenous. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, what? Like, come on. <laughs> um, so, so that was kind of just like that, like, whoa, like, um, so you kind of even start to realize that. And even when I was in Kosovo, like, the whole conflict that happened there was because people were of different ethnicities. And, like, from an outsider looking in, I was just like, but you all white. Like, you all have blonde hair and blue eyes and look like Barbie. Like, what, why are you fighting? Um, and it was, like, an ethnicity thing. And, you know, it was like, oh, some people were Muslims, some people were Christians, some people were, like, um, it was, like, Orthodox Christianity. Um, but, yeah, and you start to, like, put those labels on people, just, like, put them apart. Um, so I guess I started realizing, like, that seems to progress everywhere um so I guess like right now I'm trying to like define that like how do we celebrate it and embrace it without being like I'm gonna get away from you um I feel like that's like the balance that we all have to find um and also just like allowing people into our circle like not us like we, we let people into our circles and our lands are stolen um but like on the other side you know like how do we live in a more just like I don't even know how to explain it. Like in a society where we are welcomed in, because I feel like that is what you start to notice. Like we're not welcome in certain places and you have to end up forcing your way in. And I feel like I have found tons of opportunities, but like I have to hunt them down. It's exhausting. Um, And you have to force your way in. And like, even I notice, like I have to approach people and then I realize like maybe, and, and you never know. Like, and that's the sad thing that like we have to question like, did I seem scary to you? Like, did you not like me because I look this way? And, and it's like, it, it, maybe we're wrong. Like, maybe it's not. But it's, like, sad that that's a thought that has to, like, pass through our heads. Um, whereas other people don't have to pass through that. Um, and I've even noticed that when I travel. Like, you know, I love staying at backpacker hostels. And it tends to be, like, a lot of Europeans, a lot of, like, more affluent people from affluent countries. And, um, like, I'm a, I'm a friendly person. So, like, I just am used to, like, having to approach it. But I've been, like, tested this out, and I'm like, wait, what if I don't say hi to anybody? And, like, I do realize that people are not as willing to approach me. Um, so I feel like there is, there needs to be, like, more, one, like, we're afraid, and, like, other people are afraid of, you know, everyone's afraid of the other. And it was just, like, we don't put ourselves out there, and for good reason, like, all of the history and all of this that has happened to us. But I think most of the time we think that, like, oh, okay, well, like, that, that's not for me, so, like, I'm not even going to try um but like when like yeah okay it wasn't made for me but like I'm gonna push myself in there (laughs) um and that's like one thing with like education and with traveling um you know most of us travel out of necessity um but not as like a form of learning or just even like relaxing (laughs) um and I think the other thing is to also like be conscious of like where you go like what you know what your money goes into um, like what you're supporting because that's like a big part of it um, you know if you buy like a taco from some hipster chain restaurant like cool they that's barely a dime but you buy a taco from like a lady who has her own little taco shop like that's probably helping feed her family so even like as you travel in your homeland like in, in your home like that's kind of things that I want to spread the word of like these are things that we should be conscious of and like be good travels <laughs> and like reclaiming the exploration because <laughs> like so that was one thing like part-time explorer because like now I have a job and like I can't go out as much as I want to but I even try to like look around in my hometown see new places that I haven't gone to yet or like little road trips or whenever I find like a really awesome deal and that's the thing I travel on a really tight budget. How many countries would you say you visited um, in total? Countries? Yeah countries. Um, so I've actually been to 20 countries, and um, that's including Puerto Rico as a country. Um, can, can you list 20 countries in 20 seconds? Go. Um, okay. Uh, 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 if Turkey, you already wasted five Kosovo. seconds. <laughs> oh, no. No, okay. Turkey, if, um, Kosovo, Albania, Bosnia, Montenegro, um, Serbia, Guatemala, Malaysia, Singapore, um, 
Indonesia, uh, Cambodia, I can't even remember, Guatemala, Mexico, uh, Dominican Republic, uh, Puerto Rico, Canada. Did I say Canada? And the U.S. I I don't know. I lost track. That's all I can remember right now. (laughs) Oh, Costa Rica. I've been to Costa Rica. Well, you you repeated, I think you repeated the R twice, I think. No, you repeated Puerto Rico twice, and you repeated Guatemala twice. But you know what? You still did good. So, um, so oh, France. France, and okay. <laughs> okay, it's already over time, but thank you for that. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, based on like this, like, and I would call you travel connoisseur, um, <laughs> would you, uh, you know, what recommendation would you give for um, people of our generation who like don't have the means to travel? Um, right. what, what advice would you give them, like, starting out, like, if they wanted to, like, go to some of these places? Right. Um, so I think, like I was saying, you know, it's about, like, being in your own place, too. Um, a lot of the times, a lot of us don't even know, like, our own backyard. It's like, we don't really, like, we go to the same places to eat. We don't go to the next towns over. Like, we, you know, like, someone, the, and it happened to me a lot. Like, people would be like, what do I do in New York City? And I'm just like, I don't know, like, it's just here. Like, I just don't think of exploring here. I think of exploring other places. Um, So I think that's, like, one way to, like, satisfy that, like, need and urge. And, you know, like, we are people that, like, want to connect. Like, we have the Internet. Like, we want to talk to people and learn more about them and, like, immersing yourself. And nothing really replaces, like, face-to-face interaction. Um, So I think starting off there, but also... Um, from my experience, like the smart thing to do is also start a saving stream um, and tips to save, you know, like have multiple sources to save your money, um, you know, like even set apart like another bank account. One that I really like to use is called Ally Bank. They are one of the highest percentages. I love telling people about this because it's like 1% or as like most other banks will do like 0.01. Um, so you actually like get more money for the money you set aside um, and just even budgeting. Um, that's something I learned the hard way. The first time I went backpacking, I um, spent all of the money I had saved up, and then I was like, oh, crap. And I ended up, like, having to live at home again and having to start all over again. And, like, as much as I value that experience, um, you know, getting back to, like, financial stability was really rough. Um, And, you know, like, I wouldn't want to be like, guys, go travel the world and spend all your money without being, like, conscious of, like, okay, like, let's be real, though. Um, It's not the easiest. And also even, like, seeking out deals, like, a lot of times we think, like, okay, we have to pay full price for that. And it's, like, you know, as long as you, like, hunt it down, like, you can find deals, you can find specials, you can do things on a budget, um, scoping out, doing your research, seeing, like, what's affordable, um, talking to, like, even locals, like, trying to connect with them. And you're like, hey, how much is, like, you know, like, about an average night there? Um, staying at Airbnbs now is, like, a big thing. Yeah. And as well as, like, hostels. Um, in Within the U.S., we're not very much a big hostel culture. But um, I feel like that's also where you get to meet other people and they give you tips because they're also on a budget. Um, and that's, like, been my biggest thing is, like, I stayed in hostels and you meet the best people and you have really great experiences and then you make friends that you can visit in other countries that will, like, let you crash on their couch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just more about being open about the experience and, like, not thinking, like, oh, that's so expensive because, you know, there's really things you could do on a budget, um, hunting down stuff, looking at deals. Um, like, I have not paid for a flight in almost a year because I just rack up my rewards points um, yeah. and I very so it's like a tip that I try to tell everybody I use um, I have Southwest report points if anyone wants it use my referral link but like mm-hmm. um, but yeah I loved it it was one of my biggest like best decisions I've done because I, I wanted to see more of the U.S. because I was like I've been to everywhere else like and I don't even know my own country and I mean for good reason like it's a little scary sometimes going places if you're a female and then on top of that like visibly different um it's not as welcoming as we'd wish it was sometimes but I think also having like a person there especially like somewhere where you might feel uneasy like a contact is always a good point um just for safety um, but there, I think a lot of credit cards too for your favorite airlines might offer like, okay, you get like 4,000, like 40,000 points and you might be able to get like a ticket for like 7,000. So right now I'm going to be going to Orlando next month and I got a round trip and I only paid the difference, like the taxes. Um, and what I do is I spent, like I put all of my biggest expenses on there 
and then I pay it off before the due date. And this is like my little hack. I don't know how like legit this is, but <laughs> I pay it off before the due date so I don't accumulate interest on it. And always I make I make sure like to budget out how much I can spend on that. Because, you know, like, sometimes we get really swipe happy and we're just like, I'm just going to keep buying all the things. And then you're like, oh, my God, my paycheck does not align with my lifestyle. Um, so that's, like, things. And that's, like, you know, I would want to share, like, my experiences so other people could avoid them because I have learned the hard way. Like, um, when me and my friend went to Spain, I was jotting everything down because I had this idea of, like, a travel blog. Like, everyone wants to do a travel blog. But, um so I started jotting it down and it was so funny because like we booked our like our hostel like 30 minutes out of the city and there was like no transportation and I was like really it should be like what not to do when traveling because that's what ends up happening to me all the time and you know I've learned like I've been traveling for like five years on and off so like you learn like oh, okay let me not do this again you know um so I'd like to share those tips to encourage other people who might be so like afraid um to go somewhere or like just not as willing to just go somewhere on their own um, to, like, kind of give that little push. But, like, here's a little guide. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and also so, um, taking the kind of everything else. Is that is that what people can find when they, um, you know, when they look at your parts of Explorador at work um, on Instagram or, you know, other social media channels? Like, is that the type of advice they can, like, expect to find? Or, you know, would love to know where you're headed with your project? Right. Um, so what I really want to do is I do want to make it like a resource um, for like either places I've been and also like helping promote like local businesses and small businesses where I've been. Um, so if people have ideas, like I'd love to check them out and also making it like a very collaborative space. Um, so that's why I've been taking a, a while and you know, like life happens. Um, I suffer from like depression, anxiety. So sometimes I got too down, but this has like kept me going and I was like, okay, like I'm back at it. Um, and me and my best friend, Nikki, um, and she's actually the one that's building the site. So I'm helping like just with little tiny code and she's teaching me along the way. Like most of it is her doing it. But, um, so we're building it from scratch, um, cause we want it to be very interactive. And I think that's like another aspect I want to add to it. Like promote it, like, cause tech has like allowed me to have such a flexible schedule. And, um, you know, there are a lot of skills that like people can do remotely and, just getting into that and it kind of has played like now into just traveling like you know like me and you are talking via Skype like most of my closest friends are like overseas in different time zones um so I think technology is very much playing a role in how we travel so I want to integrate that and also as well just being um conscious and aware of how we travel within the world so the whole social aspect of it and a lot of the times you know you read these travel blogs and I used to hunt them down all the time and like nothing against like the people behind these but like they are not people that look like me um they're not people that will have the same experience when i go to a different country um you know like i'm not gonna probably be as afraid if i go to a latin american country because i'm like i'm blending here and you know like that fear was ingrained with me and then i showed up and i was like hold up like i blend here like no one's bothering me <laughs> like um and you know vice versa like you might go to a european country and feel like oh i stick out a lot um and i feel like those are experiences that like once you share them with others and someone else, like, validates it, you're kind of just like, oh, my God, I'm not going crazy. Like, this is something that does happen. And I feel like that's so powerful and empowering and helps, like, quell our inner anxieties and just, like, insecurities. Um, so, yeah, I want to, like, create more of that space overall. Um, and Yeah, and I would say that's extremely uh, helpful. Um, I, you know, um, I don't remember how exactly. I, th I believe it was through the Be Visible Latinx. Uh, yes, yes, I love yeah, so, what Andrea's so, doing. So shout out, be visible for that, uh, for connecting us. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but the thing is, like, you know, what's interesting is that whenever I come across your work on social mm -hmm. media, like, it, like, sort of, like, gives me a boost of, like, positivity. It gives me a oh, boost of inspiration. Oh, it makes me feel so happy. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and the thing is, like, I, I think, like, all your pictures are so colorful and your tone is always so positive. Right. So, like, it definitely helps. Um, one thing is that I started this particular show because I had just become unemployed and mm -hmm. I was suffering from a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety. Right. And, like, this was my way to stay connected to the world. Um, right. During that unemployment. <laughs> so, like, you know, to be connected to you and to, like, see how much positivity you're putting out there, like, when, like, most of, like, what people talk is, like, negative, it's like, okay, like, 
you know, this this is just a great resource. Like besides traveling, Thank like you. your, your photos, <laughs> your energy is just a great resource for everyone. Oh, thank you. That's what I, I try. Like, most of the time when I am sharing stuff, it's like, I might feel really down, and I'm trying to, like, be like, okay, like, how do we get back up? And I think there is, like, that part that, like, you know, you have to recognize, like, okay, like, I, I do have a reason to be upset and down, but trying to look at, like, how do I make the best out of the situation? Like, even this call, like, I don't even know, we're outside. We've gone through three devices, you know? Like, right. you try to make do with what, like, um, I like to listen to Latino USA a lot. Um, and I feel like that gave me like an empowerment that I was like, I need to be a part of this. Um, and you know, you're seeing so much like hate thrown at us right now, especially our communities, especially like Central Americans right now that like you, that I'm just like, no, like we are amazing people. Like how, like how can there be so much hate when we're such happy and inviting people? Um, and you know, a lot of times you see on Instagram, like these beautiful travel shops and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Well, like, being there and having done it, and I'm like, yeah, you get these beautiful pictures, but, like, I know the struggle was real. I missed the bus to try to get that, and I feel like I want to provide that more realistic aspect, not, like, everything is beautiful and great all the time, um, because the reality is, like, yeah, you can, it's about perspective, but, like, there are hardships that people will come, and I think that's very important that people see others that are going through it, like, whether it's someone of your same, like, ethnicity or background or looks like you, and even when they don't, and you're just like, oh, my God, that's relatable. Um, so I feel like that's very important. And I, I really like your feedback. It makes me happy. Sometimes I'm just like, does anyone care? And I'm like, I sound crazy. So it I know, really I, is. I care. So, like, keep, keep posting for sure. Yay! Um, yeah. So just two more quick questions. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, I, I believe I have seen you write something about, like, immigration raids happening upstate um, mm -hmm. or like there was like a family that was like separated or something like I can't do you know what I'm talking about um I don't Some, know I share like a lot um I mean the Guatemalan community but I can't remember what it was oh but. okay I do remember um so actually this was right when they were trying to like round up more people and I was actually looking for a car so I did buy a car and um, my parents, like I said, they're pastors. Most of their, the people in their congregation are actually Guatemalan or Ecuadorian. So that's why we make. But, yeah, um, in one of the towns near here, um, they, it's a predominantly immigrant population. And I think there was just so much fear within the community that people were, like, already deciding they were going to go back. They were like, this wasn't worth it. Um, you know, like, there's just so much hate, like, skewed and, like... Can I ask you, sorry, just to right. be a, a little more, like, like, is this something you heard? Or is this something... Yeah, so, so yeah, um, so I wanted to buy a car, and my mom was just like, oh, actually, like, there's a couple people in our church that are, like, um, selling their cars. And I was just like, oh, okay, and they're like, they're in really good condition. And I was like, okay, cool, why? And they're like, oh, well, they're, like, planning to leave to go back to Guatemala. Like, they just, like, they can't be here anymore. Um, they're just like, you know, like, um, and driving through, I started noticing, like, there were more police, in, specifically in that community. And a lot of people there, like, drive without licenses because they don't have papers. Um, so it kind of was like like that silent acceptance back back before all of this has happened. Mm -hmm. And now um, I started seeing like a lot of people were getting pulled over more. Um, and I was just like, oh my God, like this is like very real. Cause like, you know, the like I get pulled over, I get pissed, I pay like a really huge fine, um, which happens a lot. I need to work on that. But <laughs> like somebody else gets pulled over and then like they have no form of identification. Like that becomes yeah. a really big problem. And we're in such a gray line. And I think you, um, New York City has declared sanctuary, but um, that doesn't necessarily extend out to the suburbs where there are a lot of immigrants who live under the shadows. Um, and that is, like, a whole other issue. Like, we, a lot of the times we don't want to be visible because, like, we fear that we are not, like, legally accepted. Um, um, and that can have a lot of repercussions when all you're trying to do is, like, survive. So these are, like, families that have fled, like, horrible situations. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that was just like really like that hit home. Like it really was real. Cause I was like, sweet, cheap car. And then my mom was like, yeah, they're planning to like migrate back. And I was just like, why? And like, we we're just talking about this and we're like, whoa, was, like really intense. Um, I'm not sure if they ended up doing it, but I do have like other friends that are undocumented that are just saving up to go back to Mexico or go back to their home countries. And they've been here since they were kids. They just like, don't feel safe here anymore so that's like 
just really rough because you know I'm like you've lived your entire life here and you just like don't feel safe and like for like I can't even imagine what that's like because I was lucky enough that I was born here um but a lot of other people are feeling that so it's just like I don't know like you empathize a lot because like how 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 can I help make a difference or like help people just like bring a smile to them when like you know of course like that's like that impending doom of like what could happen like you never know what's going to happen the next day yeah um, and like when when you wrote about that that was the first time like i had seen like such a personal account of like seeing fear essentially driving people out or like yeah people like wanting to leave because i feel like a, a lot of times in, in the immigration movement um and you know these are people who have already been um working for years as activists and like have publicly come out as undocumented and so like that's like their like you know that that's like the the image that's there is you know right. fighting, fighting. they're known <laughs> but then like no. of course the, then you have you know so that's one one section but then like the other part of it is that people are being so they're being like threatened and scared to the point that they want to leave so like yeah. I thought that you're like post like but such a real, um, mm-hmm. such a real voice to that, and that that was the moment that I was like, okay, like in the future I need to talk to her about this. Oh. So, yeah, um, but yeah, so like you know, and it's those like small like, you know, blurbs or like you know um, accounts that mm-hmm. can really help make a difference because where else are you gonna hear those those things? You know, but, like you but... you don't you don't hear about it. Um, so yeah, so uh, the last well, the last question I have is, uh, you know, this is something I do at the in the beach interviews. Um, mm-hmm. If you could say one thing to people across the country right now who need some hope, some light, some type of like um, motivation to keep going, what would you say to them? Um, I would say just like start accepting who you are, um, whatever that may be, like whatever you look like um even if it's not like what you aim to be um and i think just starting to accept yourself um you start to accept others and you start to just love yourself and that's like what radiates out and you start to like just pull that attraction to you and find good people um and i know it sounds like super like hippy dippy but whatever i'm like that's really like what when i started like accepting myself and embracing who I was, like, with all my defects, like, with my anxiety, with, like, knowing how, like, you learn how to combat that, um, just, like, instead of fighting it, because we're always so, like, fighting it, you know, like, whether it's our hair or our bodies or, like, our illnesses, like, we start to fight it, and, like, we do have to fight sometimes, but sometimes there's things that's, like, you know, like, um, a lost cause, like, I'm just, like, I can't fight my hair, like, I can try to straighten it, I have end up killing it it's really expensive um and then you know you just have to like embrace it you're like okay well I'm just gonna love it and same with like I feel like anxiety um I know I'm like okay I'm always, I'm gonna have downtime sometimes but like if I can embrace that this is something I'm gonna have to struggle with um and just find ways to cope with it you start to be able to just live a more fulfilled life and kind of spread that message across um and I feel like that can be applied to like all aspects and yeah, just like breaking it down. And you're like, is this something I can embrace? Do I have to fight against? Or, you know, change the world to make sure that it does it goes away. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you um, so much for those words, Valerie. And uh, thank you course. so much for being a part of uh, this interview series. You know, very happy that, you know, collaboration between Parsem Exploradora, Immigration MIC, coming yes. together, <laughs> creating a great <laughs> interview for people. Um, and yeah, so, you know, like I was saying, like, really appreciate your voice, really appreciate your positivity. Um, I, for example, like I myself, like don't always see like, you know, can this have an impact next week um, on someone? And then I see it has an impact and I'm like, okay, I can keep going. So I'm letting you know that you're definitely having a positive impact. And um, I'm very happy to have met you and like to, um, you know, just have gotten to know you better. And I look forward to like all the work that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, you too. I'm really excited.